Have you ever had that awkward experience where you see someone and you know they should know your name, but for whatever reason, they just can't seem to come up with it? You know how it is. You stick your hand out. You greet them by name. You shake their hand. They shake your hand. And then they begin to fumble over their words because it's clear they just can't remember your name. They feel bad. There's this awkwardness, this embarrassment, and you try to relieve the tension a little bit. And so you tell them your name. Or worse, maybe you've had the experience where a loved one forgets your birthday or a spouse forgets your anniversary. You try to drop some hints. You try to help them out, but it's clear they, they didn't remember. They don't remember. You know, it's, it's bad to feel forgotten. Sometimes it's just a little awkward tension. Other times it stings a little bit because you wonder, wasn't I worth remembering? Yeah, it's bad to be forgotten. But you know what? Sometimes it's even worse to be the one who forgets. So we'll see in the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 40 this week, we'll read the whole chapter, all 23 verses. Let's go ahead and dive right in as we continue through the life of Joseph. Genesis chapter 40. It reads, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night, they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days, and three days Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me this kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit." When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. 
the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. Instead, he forgot him. You read this story and, and you wonder, is it ever going to get any better? I mean, as you look at Joseph's life, it just seems to go from bad to worse and from worse to even worse. Let, let's go ahead and just kind of recap the story real quickly just to make sure we're all up to speed. Joseph, he was from this dysfunctional family. You remember, he's a Hebrew born to uh, the, the parents of Jacob and Rachel. But Jacob, he had children by four different women, two wives and two of his wives' servants. And he had 11 sons, ended up being 12 with Benjamin, one daughter. And it was a highly dysfunctional family. There's all kind of jealousy, all kind of strife, all kind of infighting within the family. And to make matters worse, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. And so he gave J Joseph this, this coat of, of many colors, a coat that signified to the other brothers that Joseph was special, that Joseph was the favorite, that he was better than any of them. He didn't have to do the chores. He didn't have to do all the, whole, all, all the work that they had to do. Even worse, he got to go out and just kind of monitor and report back to their dad on how they were doing. And so one day, Joseph, he provides not a very favorable report. He tells his father that the brothers aren't doing such a good job. So it doesn't take long before the brothers all have this one thing in common. It's a dysfunctional family with all kind of infighting, but there's this one thing they all have in common, and that's a hatred toward Joseph. So one day, the brothers, they're out working again, and Jacob sends Joseph to see how they're doing, to provide another report. And as Joseph is walking towards them, the brothers see him in a distance. And as they see Joseph walking, they hatch this plot. They get together and they say, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to kill Joseph. We're tired of him being the favorite. We're tired of him being treated special, of him being loved, and us not getting anything. We've got to kill him. Reuben, one of the older brothers, he steps in and he intervenes and says, no, 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 we can't do this. We can't do this. So instead of killing him, they quickly hatch another plot. They find an empty well and they throw him into that well. And then they do what boys do, what guys like to do. They sit down for a meal as they hear the screams of Joseph pleading for his life. And as they're eating, they notice Ishmaelite traders coming by. And so quickly they hatch again another plot. And this is a plot they will execute. They sell their brother Joseph over to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites then take Joseph to Egypt and they sell him to Potiphar. Now Potiphar, he's... He's an Egyptian officer. He's, he's, he has a lot of power. And he finds that he can trust Joseph with everything. He, he understands that Joseph is blessed by God. And so because Joseph is blessed by God, his work is blessed by God. And now, by extension, Potiphar's house is blessed by God. Things seem to be going pretty well. I mean, as well as things can be going when you're a slave in a foreign land. But it doesn't take too long before Potiphar's wife makes some false accusations against Joseph. Well, naturally, Potiphar believes his wife and loses his cool, gets into this fit of rage, sends Joseph off, and Joseph is thrown into an Egyptian prison. Archaeologists have actually uncovered Egyptian prisons, and, and we know a little bit about what they were like at that time. They were these deep, dark 
pits, these rooms that were, had just carried this awful stench. Usually three or four prisoners would be in one of those rooms and they would put shackles, the, these uh, braces around the necks of the criminals and also around the ankles of the criminals and they would shackle the criminals to a pole in the middle of the room. I mean, this was a terrible existence. The, these prisons were an awful place to be and based on the accusations of Potiphar's wife and being a foreigner, being a Hebrew, all of this working against him. I mean, Joseph, he would expect to spend the rest of his life in some type of terrible existence like that. Or at least that's what most of us would expect if we were in that kind of position. But now Joseph is in prison and he's been in there for some time and even in prison, God's favor is still with Joseph. And so he's elevated to this position where he's allowed to, to serve the other criminals in some capacity. And as he's doing this, he meets a cupbearer and a baker of Pharaoh. And based on the Hebrew, we, we understand that this is the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, okay? So... Pharaoh, he likely had several different cupbearers, and he probably had dozens of bakers. But these guys were at the top of the list. They were the tops. And evidently, they've done something that has just made Pharaoh furious. So furious that he's thrown them both into this awful prison. And because of God's favor on, on Joseph, he's allowed to serve the other criminals in some capacity. So he gets to know these guys, the guards. They must have recognized that Joseph is trustworthy, that he's faithful, and he'd been in there long enough that he's allowed to serve these other criminals. And did you notice in this Genesis chapter 40 how this whole episode really began to get started? Joseph notices something about these guys. He, he notices that, the, that they're sad, they're just not themselves on this particular day. And he, and he asks the question, why are your faces downcast today? You think about it. I mean, Joseph, he could have just kind of gone through the motions, done what he was at, whatever he was supposed to do, but he took the time to notice that they were feeling bad. I mean, you think about all that Joseph had been through. I mean, hated by his brothers, even though he had been sold away into slavery, even though he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, falsely imprisoned, even, even though he had this avalanche of evil that was just kind of stacking up and piling up against him, Joseph is still caring and sensitive enough to go to these guys and just ask them, hey, What's going on? I notice you're not yourselves today. Would you like to talk about it? Maybe I could listen. If I can help in some way, I'd be happy to. Do, do you want to share? He asked the question he initiates. See, you need to understand, no matter what is going on in your life, God can still use you to impact people. You don't have to wait for your life to just be smooth waters and everything seeming to coming together really well. You can impact people, sometimes even the best, when the rotters are rough, when the things are difficult. See, God can use you to impact people no matter what's going on in your life. Oftentimes, it is when the times are most difficult and you remain faithful that your impact can be the greatest. And if you wait, if you decide just, well, I'm going to wait until things kind of clear up a little bit, until things get a little bit better... You know, you can always be waiting because there's always a ripple in the water somewhere. There's always something going on that's not right. That's just part of the product of living in a sin-cursed world. You can always find something that can be a little bit better. And 
our God, he uses us to impact people, whether we're on the highest of highs or whether we're down in one of life's pits or whether we're somewhere in between, we still get the opportunity to shine, to impact people. So you look for ways to impact people just where you are, just the way Joseph did as he's serving the other criminals and he notices something's going on. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can listen. And so these guys are bothered because they've had these dreams. They've each had a dream. And when Joseph opens the door, well, they run right through it. And what they know is they've had these dreams. And what else they know is that Pharaoh has put them into this prison. And they're there on the whim of Pharaoh. And whatever happens to them will be on the whim of Pharaoh. Whether they live or die, whether they're forgotten in prison or whether they're released, it's all going to be up to Pharaoh's doing, however he's feeling that day or however he decides to respond. And so if these dreams can give them some kind of insight into what will happen, well, they want to know because this prison is a terrible, awful, scary place to be. And so the cupbearer says, hey, I've had this dream uh, and I'm just distressed about it. I don't know what it means. I can't find anyone who knows what it means. And <laughs> here's, here's my dream. And he tells Joseph his dream. And Joseph says, this dream means you're going to be restored to Pharaoh. You're going to be serving Pharaoh again. You're, you're going to be testing the, the drinks for him again and testing the food for him again. You're going to be putting the cup into Pharaoh's hand again. You're going to be restored to this place of service again. And then Joseph adds, and I tell you what, when you're back there, when you're back serving Pharaoh, don't forget about me. When you're serving him again and you're standing right next to him, could you put in a good word for me? Don't, don't, don't forget about me. I mean, look at all I've been through. I, I'm a Hebrew. I've been sold for no good reason into this country. I, I did nothing wrong. I should not be in prison. Please tell Pharaoh about me. Wouldn't you do that bit of kindness for me? And you know what the cupbearer would have said. I mean, we all would have said the same thing. We said, well, you can count on me. Absolutely. I mean, you've done this for me. You've told me. You've set my mind, my heart at ease. Oh, I'm telling you what, Joseph, just as soon as I have the opportunity, just as soon as I'm next to Pharaoh, oh, I'll put in a good word for you. I'll, I'll let him know just what a great guy you are and how faithful you are and these skills that you have, how you can talk to God and interpret dreams and all this. I'll, I will let Pharaoh know. It'll be the first. You can count on me, Joseph. You know he would have said that. And perhaps Joseph would have been thinking, at last, I, I can see how God's plan is coming together. I can see how I'm going to get out of this place. God, God he, he put me into this prison so that I can meet this cupbearer who has this connection to Pharaoh. And now I, I can see hope. I can see how I'm going to be released, how things are going to happen. See, the plan would make perfect sense. But there's another dream. The, the baker, you remember him? He, he has a dream as well. And he says, hey, here's my dream. He's all excited now because he's heard the dream of the cupbearer. He says, Joseph, well, tell me what's going to happen to me. This is going to be great. I can't wait to hear. And Joseph says, chief baker, I'm sorry. It's not going to go so well for you. In three days' time, the king, Pharaoh, he is going to execute you. The birds will be eating your flesh. And then we're left with this awful sentence at the end of the chapter that says, the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. 
I mean, just imagine, he, here's the cupbearer released. He's now back serving Pharaoh, standing next to Pharaoh again. But he also sees what happened to his friend, the baker. He, he sees that his, his friend, the baker, has just been executed by Pharaoh. And you know how small he must have been feeling at that moment? How, how powerless that he must have been feeling, knowing that, hey, if, if Pharaoh knows that I'm friends with the baker... If, if Pharaoh remembers why he threw me into prison in the first place, I don't really want to bring up while I was down there, you know? I don't really, really want to bring up that I was friends with the baker. I don't really want to talk to Pharaoh about my friends that I made in the prison. I would rather just keep my head down, just kind of lie low, and hopefully Pharaoh will forget that I was ever in the prison. I'd like to forget that I was ever in the prison. I don't ever want to go back there, and I definitely don't want anything worse to happen. So all those assurances that the cupbearer made to Joseph, well, there's just never a good time to bring up that you were making friends in prison. And so he likely wanted to forget, and after you want to forget and you don't bring it up, you just forget. And this is what happens. The cupbearer forgets about Joseph, forgets about the assurances, the promises that he's made. He's just trying to lie low, do his job, and get along with, with Pharaoh the best he can. And so he forgets all about Joseph. And it's a terrible thing to be forgotten. Joseph, he's left in this awful Egyptian prison. And maybe he's wondering as he's down there, did, did, did the cupbearer remember me? Did, did the cupbearer have a conversation with Pharaoh? Did Pharaoh just not care? I mean, am I ever going to get an update on what's going on here? Am I ever going to get out of here? Oh, see, it's a terrible thing to be forgotten. Your mind can play all kinds of tricks on you. But here's the thing about Joseph. As terrible as it is to be forgotten... And it seems that Joseph had been forgotten an awful lot. I mean, you look over the course of his family, and he likely could have thought that he'd been forgotten by his family, forgotten by the Ishmaelites who sold him off into slavery, forgotten by Potiphar and his wife, forgotten by the cupbearer, forgotten by Pharaoh. You know, it's enough to make some people want to forget about God. And as bad as it is to be forgotten, it's a whole lot worse to be the one who forgets. But see, as we look over the course of Joseph's life, Joseph never forgets. I mean, you see that in his story. It is remarkable. The cupbearer and the baker, they say, we've had these dreams. Perhaps you could be the one. I mean, we, no one can interpret these. And Joseph says, do you not understand? The interpretations belong to God. See, you understand what that reveals about Joseph? Do you see what that's communicating about him? That Joseph still believed in his dreams. You, you remember when we met Joseph as this teenage dreamer who had these dreams that he's going to be in some level of leadership for the Hebrews and that his, his brothers are going to be looking up to him, his family is going to be looking up to him, and they hated those dreams, but Joseph believed that those dreams were from God and that God was going to make those happen. And Joseph, he, he learned, even as a young boy, about dreams because he probably heard about his father's Jacob. In, in, in Jacob's dream that he had, you, you remember Jacob's dream, don't you? J Jacob had this dream about this stairway that went from heaven to the earth and how angels were just running up and down the stairway. And what that signified, what that meant to Jacob was that they were bringing God's presence there. 
that the God was going to be present in Jacob's life and that God was going to be faithful. It communicated God's presence and faithfulness. See, Joseph knew from his father's dreams, he knew from his own dreams, he knew that sometimes dreams are the language of God. And so he says, the interpretation belongs to God. Tell me your dreams. See, see, this revealed that all Joseph had been through, everything he had gone through, all of these dark, trying situations, Joseph still believed. He still believed God had given him those dreams, and he still believed that God would make his dreams come true. And if you're looking at Joseph's story, and you were to stop right here, I mean, if you don't read past Genesis chapter 40, and you don't know anything else, you're looking at this, and you're thinking, Joseph, I mean, you, you got to give up on those dreams. You got you to let some dreams die, Joseph. Maybe you had your interpretation wrong here a little bit. You're not even with the Hebrews anymore. How in the world are you supposed to be a leader of those people? Now you, you're in a foreign land. You're thrown in prison. You're all but forgotten. Joseph, it, it's time to let some dreams die. And see, in, in a situation like that, I mean, after you've just been through the ringer, after you've been mistreated by person after person after person in the most horrendous kind of way, you know, the natural human response to something like that, I mean, it's kind of varied, but it could be self-pity, where you're just looking at everything, you're saying, man, I've been hated by my brothers, my own family's turned against me. I get to Egypt, I try to do a good job for Potiphar, and they make up all these lies against me. I'm falsely imprisoned. I'm here in prison again. I'm working hard. I'm serving the other criminals. I'm telling the cupbearer about his dreams, and I'm forgotten again. You know, you know, it's enough to make people say, woe is me. Oh, I've had such a bad life. I've, things are so going, always going wrong for me. Nothing ever seems to work out well for me. It's enough to make a lot of people throw a pity party. You never see that in the life of Joseph. Jo Joseph never does that. Another common response of everything that Joseph had been through is often bitterness, where you just look at it and you just, you just count up all the times you've been wronged. I've been so mistreated. I've been falsely accused. I've been hated by my brothers. I've been thrown into this. You can go through the list over and over and over again, and then you can begin to just think about how bad all those people are. And you begin to think how unfairly God has dealt with you. Why, why couldn't God have been better to me? Why couldn't he have been kinder to me? Why, why doesn't God love me? And you can develop this bitterness. Bitterness is a common threat. But you know what? Joseph doesn't go there either. He doesn't, he doesn't give in to that temptation either. A, another common response to being mistreated, I mean, so flagrantly, is revenge. I mean, Joseph, I mean, he could have made a whole lot of dartboards with a lot of people's faces on them. He, he could have been sitting in that prison just stewing. Okay, if I ever get out of here, I mean, here's how I'm going to get back against my brothers. Here's how I'm going to repay Potiphar. Here's how I'm going to repay the cupbearer. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to get back at all these people. He could have been hatching all of these plans. Or at the very least, just sitting there hoping for the worst for all these people. Hoping that, well, I hope they get what they deserve and their whole world's come crashing in on them as well. But you don't see that in Joseph's life. Jo Joseph, he, he doesn't fall victim to self-pity. He doesn't fall victim to bitterness. He doesn't fall victim to revenge. That, that's not where Joseph goes. Why? Because Joseph never forgot God. Yeah, it's bad to be forgotten, 
but it's a whole lot worse to be the one who forgets. Even though he was sold away into slavery, even though he was falsely accused, even though he was falsely imprisoned, even though he was forgotten and left in prison, he continued to trust God. He continued to obey. He continued to follow. It's a terrible thing to be forgotten, but oftentimes it's a whole lot worse to be the one who forgets. And we have this problem. We are a forgetful people. I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I'll have this item and I'll think to myself, you know what, I I cannot lose this. I'm going to need this again at some point, so i got to put it in a special place so that when I need it, I'll know exactly where it is. And then some time will go by and then I will think, oh, I need that item. And I go to look for it and I can't find it. In fact, the only thing I can remember is I know that I put that in some special place so I wouldn't forget it so that it will be there when I needed it. But now I can't seem to find it. I've forgotten where I put it. See, we're a forgetful people. And we forget God. Sometimes we get busy, sometimes we get mistreated, sometimes things don't go our way, and we forget God. We tend to think about ourselves. We tend to think about the people who've wronged us or the people who've failed us. We tend to think about our circumstances, and we forget God. And then we stop impacting people because we're thinking of ourselves. We stop thinking about what's good and what's right and what's pleasing, what's perfect, and these things that we're supposed to dwell on. We allow our minds to go to our pain and our misery and our hurt. See, when we fall victim to that, when that's where our minds go, our impact lessens. We lose our ability to impact others. Why? Because we're just dwelling in self-pity. We fall victim to bitterness. We think of revenge. We, We become neutralized. We forget who God is and who he's made us to be. Incredibly, Joseph... He didn't do any of that. He remembered his dreams that he had as a teenager. He remembered who God was and who God was making him to be. Joseph never forgot God. He never forgot his dreams. Always believed that God would make his dreams a reality. See, Joseph's ultimate hope was never that the cupbearer would go back to Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, I met this wonderful guy in prison. He's a good friend. You can trust him. He, he talks to God. He knows how to interpret dreams. You, you need to talk to this guy. I think he could be of use in your kingdom. Joseph's hope was never that, that the cupbearer would have a conversation like that. His ultimate hope was simply that God would do what he said he would do. His ultimate hope was simply in the faithfulness of God. Joseph never forgot that hope. And you see, with all the brutal events in Joseph's life, it would have been so easy to lose hope, to lose sight, to forget. And that's what happens to us often. Things don't go our way, things are tough, or we just get caught up in the busyness and hecticness of life, and we forget. Joseph doesn't forget. So he doesn't fall victim to self-pity. He doesn't fall victim to bitterness. He doesn't fall victim to revenge. Why? Because he did not put his trust ultimately in people, but he put his trust ultimately in God. And when you put your trust in people, well, what happens is we let each other down. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. Why? We're not perfect. We mess up. We make mistakes. We fail one another. 
And so we, we put our trust in a God who's working through you. I believe, hey, God can use you, and I believe that. God can use me, and you believe that. But my ultimate trust, my ultimate hope is in God, and that's what Joseph does. And so hope is always in his heart. Joy is always in his steps through all of this. Belief never wavers. Trust always present. Why? Because Joseph never forgot. You know, it's a terrible thing to be forgotten, but oftentimes it's a whole lot worse to be the one who forgets. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not forget us, that you love us through the highest of highs and through the lowest of lows and through everything in between. Father, forgive us for when we forget who you are, who you've made us to be, who you've called us to be. Help us to live our mission well because we remember who you are and how you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.